July Part Two of the Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty-three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty-three, by Samuel Pepys, July sixteen sixty-three, Part Two. Twenty-third. Up into my office, and thence by information from Mr. Ackworth, I went down to Woolwich and mustered the three East India ships that lie there believing that there is great juggling between the purses and clerks of the cheque in cheating the king of the wages and victuals of men that do not give attendance and i found very few on board so to the yard and there mustered the yard and found many faults and discharged several fellows that were absent from their business i stayed also at mr ackworth's desire at dinner with him and his wife and there was a simple fellow a gentleman i believe of the court their kinsman that threatened me i could have little discourse or begin acquaintance with ackworth's wife and so after dinner away with all haste home and there found sir j minnes and sir w batten at the office and by sir w batten's testimony and sir g carteret's concurrence was forced to consent to a business of captain cox timber as bad as anything we have lately disputed about and all through mr coventry's not being with us so up and to supper with sir w batten upon a souse mullet very good meat and so home and to bed Twenty-fourth, Up pretty early, though of late I have been faulty by an hour or two every morning of what I should do, and by water to the temple, and there took leave of my cousin Roger Pepys, who goes out of town to-day. So to Westminster Hall, and there at Mrs. Mitchell's shop sent for beer and sugar and drink, and made great cheer with it among her and Mrs. Howlett, her neighbour, and their daughters, especially Mrs. Howlett's daughter Betty, which is a pretty girl, and one I have long called wife, being, I formerly thought, like my own wife after this good neighbourhood which i do to give them occasion of speaking well and commending me in some company that now and then i know comes to their shop i went to the six clerks office and there had a writ for tom trice and paid twenty shillings for it to wilkinson and so up and down to many places among others to the vial makers and there saw the head which now pleases me mightily and so home and being sent for presently to mr bland's where mr povey and gowden and i were invited to dinner which we had very finely and great plenty but for drink, though many and good, I drank nothing but small beer and water, which I drank so much that I wish it may not do me hurt. They had a kinswoman, they call daughter, in the house, a short, ugly, red-haired slut, that plays upon the virginals and sings, but after such a country manner I was weary of it, but yet could not but commend it. So by and by, after dinner, comes Monsieur Gautier, who is beginning to teach her, but, Lord, what a droll fellow it is to make her hold open her mouth, and telling this and that so drolly would make a man burst that himself i perceive sings very well anon we sat down again to a collation of cheesecakes tarts custards and such like very handsome and so up and away home where i at the office a while till disturbed by mr hill of cambridge with whom i walked in the garden a while and thence home and then in my dining-room walked talking of several matters of state till eleven at night giving him a glass of wine i was not unwilling to hear him talk though he is full of words yet a man of large conversation especially among the presbyters and independents he tells me that certainly let the bishops alone and they will ruin themselves and he is confident that the king's declaration about two years since will be the foundation of the settlement of the church some time or other for the king will find it hard to banish all those that will appear nonconformists upon this act that is coming out against them he being gone i to bed twenty fifth up into my office setting papers in order for these two or three days in which i have been hindered a little and then having intended this day to go to banstead downs to see a famous race 
I sent Will to get himself ready to go with me, and I also by and by home and put on my riding suit, and being ready came to the office to Sir J. Minnes and Sir W. Batten, and did a little of course at the office this morning, and so by boat to Whitehall, where I hear that the race is put off, because the Lords do sit in Parliament to-day. However, having appointed Mr. Creed to come to me to Fox Hall, I went over thither, and after some debate Creed and I resolved to go to Clapham to Mr. Gordon's, who had sent his coach to their place for me, because I was to have my horse of him to go to the race. So I went thither by coach, and my will by horse with me, Mr. Creed he went over back again to Westminster to fetch his horse. When I came to Mr. Gordon's, one first thing was to show me his house, which is almost built, wherein he and his family live. I find it very regular and finely contrived, and the gardens and officers about it, as convenient and as full of good variety as ever I saw in my life. It is true he hath been censured for laying out so much money, but he tells me that he built it for his brother, who is since dead, the bishop, who, when he should come to be bishop of Winchester, which he was promised, to which bishopric at present there is no house, he did intend to dwell here. Besides, with the good husbandry in making his bricks and other things, I do not think it costs him so much money as people think and discourse. By and by to dinner, and in comes Mr. Creed. I saluted Mr. Gordon's lady, and the young ladies, he having many pretty children, and his sister, the bishop's widow, who was, it seems, Sir W. Russell's daughter, the treasurer of the navy, who by her discourse at dinner I find to be very well bred, and a woman of excellent discourse, even so much as to have my attention all dinner with much more pleasure than I did give to Mr. Creed, whose discourse was mighty merry in inveighing at Mr. Gordon's victuals that they had at sea the last voyage that he prosecuted, till methought the woman began to take it seriously. After dinner, by Mr. Gordon's motion, we got Mrs. Gordon and her sister to sing to a vial, on which Mr. Gordon's eldest son, a pretty man but a simple one, methinks, played but very poorly, and the music bad, but yet I commended it. Only I do find that the ladies have been taught to sing, and do sing well now, but that the vial puts them out. I took the vial and played some things from one of their books, Lyre Lessons, which they seem to like well. Thus we pass an hour or two after dinner, and towards the evening we bade them adieu and took horse, being resolved that, instead of the race which fails us, we would go to Epsom. So we set out, and being gone a little way, I sent home Will to look to the house, and Creed and I rode forward, the road being full of citizens going and coming toward Epsom, where, when we came, we could hear of no lodging, the town so full, but which was better, I went towards Ashton, my old place of pleasure, and there, by direction of one good man Arthur, whom we met on the way, we went to Farmer Page's, at which direction he and I made good sport, and there we got a lodging in a little hole we could not stand upright in, but rather than go further to look, we stayed there and while supper was getting ready I took him to walk up and down behind my cousin Pepys's house at was, which I find comes little short of what I took it to be when I was a little boy, as things used commonly to appear greater than, than when one comes to be a man and knows more, and so up and down in the closes, which I know so well methinks, and account it good fortune that I lie here, that I may have opportunity to renew my old walks. It seems as one Mr. Rouse, they call him the Queen's Tailor, that lives there now, so to our lodging to supper, and among other meats, had a brave dish of cream, the best I ever eat in my life, and with which we pleased ourselves much, and by and by to bed, where, with much ado, yet good sport, we made shift to lie, but with little ease, and a little spaniel by us, which has followed us all the way, a pretty dog, and we believe that follows my horse, and do belong to Mrs. Gordon, which we, therefore, are very careful of. 26th Lord's Day Up and to the wells, where great store citizens, which was the greatest part of the company, though there were some others of better quality. I met many that I knew, and we drank each of us two pots, and so walked away. 
it being very pleasant to see how everybody turns up his tail, here one and there another in a bush, and the women in their quarters the like. Thence I walked with Creed to Mr. Minnes' house, which has now a very good way made to it, and thence to Durden's, and walked round it and within the courtyard, and to the bowling green, where I have seen so much mirth in my time. But now no family in it, my Lord Barclay, whose it is, being with his family at London, and so up and down by Minnes' wood, with great pleasure of viewing my old walks, and where Mrs. Healy and I did use to walk and talk, with whom I had the first sentiments of love and pleasure in woman's company, discourse, and taking her by the hand, she being a pretty woman. So I led him to Ashshed Church, by the place where Peter, my cousin's man, went blindfold, and found a certain place we chose for him upon a wager, where we had a dull doctor, one down, worse than I think even Parson King was, of whom we made so much scorn, and after sermon home, and stayed while our dinner a couple of large chickens were dressed, and a good mess of cream, which anon we had with good content, and after dinner, we taking no notice of other lodgers in the house, though there was one that I knew, and knew and spoke to me, one Mr. Ryder, a merchant, he and I to walk, and I led him to the pretty little wood behind my cousin's house, into which we got at last by clambering, and our little dog with us, but when we were among the hazel trees and bushes, Lord, what a course did we run for an hour together, losing ourselves, and indeed I despaired I should ever come to any path, but still from thicket to thicket, a thing I could hardly have believed a man could have been lost so long in so small a room. At last I found out a delicate walk in the middle that goes quite through the wood, and then went out of the wood, and hallooed Mr. Creed, and made him hunt me from place to place, and at last went in and called him into my fine walk, the little dog still hunting with us through the wood. In this walk, being all bewildered and weary and sweating, Creed he lay down upon the ground, which I did a little, but I durst not long, but walked from him in the fine green walk, which is half a mile long, there reading my vows, as I used to on Sundays. And after that was done, and going and lying by Creed an hour, he and I rose and went to our lodging and paid our reckoning, and so mounted, whether to go toward London home, or to find a new lodging, and so rode through Epsom, the whole town over, seeing the various companies that were there walking which was very pleasant to see how they are there without knowing almost what to do, but only in the morning to drink waters. But, Lord, to see how many I met there of citizens, that I could not have thought to have seen there, or that they had ever had it in their heads or purses to go than thither. We rode out of the town through Yeol, beyond Nonsuch House a mile, and there our little dog, as he used to do, fell a-running after a flock of sheep feeding on the common till he was out of sight and then endeavoured to come back again, and went to the last gate that he parted with us at, and there the poor thing mistakes are sent. Instead of coming forward, he hunts us backward, and runs as hard as he could drive back towards Nonsuch, Creed and I after him, and being by many told of his going that way, and the haste he made, we rode still, and passed him through Yole, and there we lost any further information of him. However, we went as far as Epsom, almost, hearing nothing of him. We went back to Yole, and there was told that he did pass through the town, we rode back to Nonsuch, to see whether he might be gone back again, but hearing nothing, we with great trouble and discontent for the loss of our dog came back once more to Yole, and there set up our horses and selves for all night, employing people to look for the dog in the town, but can hear nothing of him. However, we gave order for supper, and while that was dressing, walked out through Nonsuch Park to the house, and there viewed as much as we could of the outside, and looked through the great gates, and found a noble court and altogether believe it to have been a very noble house, and a delicate park about it, where just now there was a doe killed, for the king to carry up to court. So walk back again, and by and by, our supper being ready, a good leg of mutton boiled, we supped and to bed, upon two beds in the same room, wherein we slept most excellently all night. Twenty-seventh. 
up in the morning about seven o'clock and after a little study resolved of riding to the wells to look for our dog which we did but could hear nothing but it being much a warmer day than yesterday there was great store of gallant company more than then to my greater pleasure there was at a distance under one of the trees on the common a company got together that sung i at the distance and so all the rest being a quarter of a mile off took them for the weights so i rode up to them and found them only voices some citizens met by chance that sung four or five parts excellently i have not been more pleased with a snap of music considering the circumstances of the time and place in all my life anything so pleasant we drank each of us three cups and so after riding up to the horsemen upon the hill where they were making of matches to run we went away and to yole where we found our breakfast the remains of our supper last night hashed and by and by after the smith had set on two new shoes to creed's horse we mounted and with little discourse i being intent upon getting home in time we rode hard home observing mr gordon's house but not calling there it being too late for me to stay and wanting their dog too the house stands very finely and has a graceful view to the highway set up our horses at fox hall and i by water observing the king's barge attending his going to the house this day home it being about one o'clock so got myself ready and shifting myself and so by water to westminster and there came most luckily to the lord's house as the house of commons were going into the lord's house and there i crowded in along with the speaker and got to stand close behind him where he made his speech to the king who sat with his crown on and robes and so all the lords in their robes a fine sight wherein he told his majesty what they have done this parliament and now offered for his royal consent the greatest matters were a bill for the lord's day which it seems the lords have lost and so cannot be passed at which the commons are displeased the bills against conventicles and papists but it seems the lords have not passed them and giving his majesty four entire subsidies which last with about twenty smaller acts were passed with this form the clerk of the house reads the title of the bill and then looks at the end and there finds writ by the king i suppose le roi le ver and that he reads and to others he reads soit fait comme vous désirez and to the subsidies as well that for the commons i mean the laity as for the clergy the king writes le roi remission les seigneurs etc prelat etc accept le benevolence the speaker's speech was far from any oratory but was as plain though good matter as anything could be and void of elocution after the bills passed the king sitting on his throne with his speech writ in a paper which he held in his lap and scarce looked off of it i thought all the time he made his speech to them giving them thanks for their subsidies of which had he not need he would not have asked or received them and that need not from any extravagances of his he was sure in anything but the disorders of the times compelling him to be at greater charge than he hoped for the future by their care in their country he should be and that for his family expenses and others he would labour however to retrench in many things convenient and would have all others to do so too he desired that nothing of old faults should be remembered or severity for the same use to any in the country it being his desire to have all forgot as well as forgiven but however to use all care in suppressing any tumults etc assuring them that the restless spirits of his and their adversaries have great expectations of something to be done this summer and promised that though the acts about conventicles and papists were not ripe for passing this session yet he would take care himself that neither of them should in this interval be encouraged to the endangering of the peace and that at their next meeting he would himself prepare two bills for them concerning them so he concluded that for the better proceeding of justice he did think fit to make this a session and to prorogue them to the sixteenth of march next his speech was very plain nothing at all of spirit in it nor spoke with any but rather on the contrary imperfectly 
repeating many times his words, though he read all, which I was sorry to see, it having not been hard for him to have got all the speech without book. So they all went away, the king out of the house at the upper end, he being by and by to go to Tunbridge to the queen, and I in the painted chamber spoke with my lord Sandwich while he was putting off his robes, who tells me he will now hasten down into the country as soon as he can get some money settled on the wardrobe. Here meeting Creed, he and I down to the hall, and I, having at Mitchell's shop, wrote a little letter to Mr. Gordon to go with his horse, and excusing my not taking leave, or so much as asking after the old lady, the widow, when we came away the other day from them, he and I over the water to Fox Hall, and there sent away the horse with my letter, and then to the new spring garden, walking up and down, but things being dear and little attendance to be had, we went away, leaving much brave company there, and so to a less house hard by, where we liked very well their codlin tots, having not time, as we intended, to stay the getting ready of a dish of peas. And there came to us an idle boy to show us some tumbling tricks, which he did very well, and the greatest bending of his body that ever I observed in my life. Thence by water to Whitehall, and walked over the park to St. James's, but missed Mr. Coventry, he not being within, and so out again, and there the Duke was coming along the Pall Mall. It being a little darkish, I stayed not to take notice of him, but we went directly back again. And in our walk over the park, one of the Duke's footmen came running behind us, and came looking just in our faces to see who we were, and went back again. What his meaning is, I know not, but was fearful that I might not go far enough with my hat off, though methinks that should not be it. Besides, there were others covered nearer than myself was, but only it was my fear. So to Whitehall, and by water to the bridge, and so home to bed, weary and well pleased with my journey in all respects. Only it cost me about twenty shillings, but it was for my health, and I hope will prove so, only I do find by my riding a little swelling to rise just by my anus. I had the same the last time I rode, and then it fell again, and now it is up again about the bigness of the bag of a silkworm, makes me fearful of a rupture. But I will speak to Mr. Holyard about it, and I am glad to find it now, that I may prevent it before it goes too far. 28th. Up after sleeping very well, and so to my office, setting down the journal of this last three days, and so settled to business again, I hope with greater cheerfulness and success by this refreshment. At the office all the morning, and at noon to Wises, about my vial, that is a doing, and so home to dinner, and then to the office, where we sat all the afternoon till night, and I late at it till after the office was risen. Late came my Jane and her brother Will, to entreat for my taking of the boy again, but I will not hear her, though I would yet be glad to do anything for her sake to the boy, but receive him again I will not, nor give him anything. She would have me send him to sea, which if I could I would do, but there is no ship going out. The poor girl cried all the time she was with me, and would not go from me, staying about two hours with me till ten or eleven o'clock, expecting that she might obtain something of me, but receive him I will not. So the poor girl was fain to go away crying and saying little. So from thence home, where my house of office was emptying, and I find they will do it with much more cleanness than I expected. I went up and down among them a good while, but knowing that Mr. Coventry was to call me in the morning, I went to bed and left them to look after the people. So to bed. Twenty-ninth. Up about six o'clock, and found the people to have just done, and Hannah not gone to bed yet, but was making clean of the yard and kitchen. Will newly gone to bed. So I to my office, and having given some order to Tom Hater, to whom I gave leave for his recreation to go down to Portsmouth this pay, I went down to Wapping to Sir W. Warren, and there stayed an hour or two discoursing of some of his goods, and then things in general relating to this office, etc., and so home. 
and there going to Sir William Batten, having no stomach to dine at home, it being yet hardly clean of last night's mess. And there I dined with my lady and her daughter and son, Castle, and mighty kind she is, and I kind to her. But, Lord, how freely and plainly she rails against Commissioner Pett, calling him rogue, and wondering that the king keeps such a fellow in the navy. Thence by and by walked to see Sir W. Penn at Deptford, reading by the way a most ridiculous play, a new one called The Politician Cheated. After a little sitting with him, I walked to the yard a little, and so home again, my will with me, whom I bade to stay in the yard for me, and so to bed. This morning my brother Tom was with me, and we had some discourse again concerning his country mistress, but I believe the most that is fit for us to condescend to will not content her friends. Thirtieth. Up and to the office to get business ready for our sitting, this being the first day of altering it from afternoon during the Parliament sitting to the forenoon again. By and by Mr. Coventry only came, Sir John Minnes and Sir W. Batten being gone this morning to Portsmouth to pay some ships and the yard there, and after doing a little business he and I down to Woolwich, and there up and down the yard, and by and by came Sir G. Carteret, and we all looked into matters, and then by water back to Deptford, where we dined with him at his house, a very good dinner, and mightily tempted with wines of all sorts, and brave French cider, but I drunk none. But that which is a great wonder, I find his little daughter Betty, that was in hanging sleeves but a month or two ago, and is a very little young child, married! And to whom? But to young Scott, son to Madam Catherine Scott, that was so long in law, and at whose trial I was with her husband, he pleading that it was unlawfully got and would not own it, she, it seems, being brought to bed of it, if not got by somebody else at Oxford. But it seems a little before his death he did own the child, and hath left him his estate not long since. So Sir G. Carteret hath struck up of a sudden a match with him for his little daughter. He hath about two thousand pounds per annum, and it seems Sir G. Carteret hath by this means overreached Sir H. Bennet, who did endeavour to get this gentleman for a sister of his, but Sir G. Carteret, I say, has overreached him. By this means, Sir G. Carteret hath married two daughters this year, both very well. After dinner, into Deptford Yard, but our bellies being full, we could do no great business, and so parted. And Mr. Coventry and I to Whitehall by water, where we also parted, and I to several places about business. And so calling for my five books of the Variorum print, bound according to my common binding, instead of the other, which is more gaudy, I went home. The town talk this day is of nothing but the great foot-race run this day on Banstead Downs, between Lee, the Duke of Richmond's footman, and a tyler, a famous runner, and Lee hath beat him, though the King and Duke of York and all men almost did bet three or four to one upon the tyler's head. 31st. Up early to my accounts this month, and I find myself worth clear seven hundred and thirty pounds, the most I ever had yet, which contents me, though I increase but very little. Thence to my office doing business, and at noon to my vial-makers, who has begun it, and has a good appearance, and so to the exchange, where I met Dr. Pierce, who tells me of his good luck, to get to be groom of the privy chamber to the Queen, and without my Lord Sandwich's help, but only by his good fortune, meeting a man that hath let him have his right for a small matter, about sixty pounds, for which he can every day have four hundred pounds. But he tells me my Lord hath lost much honour in standing so long, and so much for that coxcomb pickering, and at last not carrying it for him, but hath his name struck out by the King and Queen themselves, after he had been in ever since the Queen's coming. But he tells me he believes that either Sir H. Bennet, my Lady Castlemaine, or Sir Charles Barclay, had received some money for the place, and so the King could not disappoint them, but was forced to put out this fool, rather than a better man. And I am sorry to hear what he tells me, that Sir Charles Barclay hath still such power over the King, as to be able to fetch him from the council table to my Lady Castlemaine when he pleases. 
He tells me also as a friend the great injury that he thinks I do myself by being so severe in the yards, and contracting the ill-will of the whole navy for those officers singly upon myself. Now I discharge a good conscience therein, and I tell him that no man can, nor do he say any say it, charge me with doing wrong, but rather do as many good offices as any man. They think, he says, that I have a mind to get a good name with the king and duke, who he tells me do not consider any such thing, but I shall have as good thanks to let all alone, and do as the rest. But I believe the contrary, and yet I told him I never go to the duke alone, as others do, to talk of my own services. However, I will make use of his counsel, and take some course, to prevent having the single ill-will of the office. Before I went to the office, I went to the coffee-house, where Sir J. Cutler and Mr. Grant were, and there Mr. Grant showed me letters of Sir William Petty's, wherein he says, that his vessel which he hath built upon two keels, a model whereof, built for the king, he showed me, hath this month won a wager of fifty pounds in sailing between Dublin and Holyhead with the packet-boat, the best ship or vessel the king hath there, and he offers to lay with any vessel in the world. It is about thirty ton in burden, and carries thirty men, with good accommodation, as much more as any ship of her burden, and so any vessel of this figure shall carry more men, with better accommodation by half than any other ship. This carries also ten guns of about five tons weight. In their coming back from Holyhead they started together, and this vessel came to Dublin by five at night, and the packet-boat not before eight the next morning, and when they came they did believe that this vessel had been drowned, or at least behind, not thinking she could have lived in that sea. Strange things are told of this vessel, and he concludes his letter with this position. I only affirm that the perfection of sailing lies in my principle, find it out who can. Then home, in my way meeting Mr. Rawlinson, who tells me that my uncle White is off of his Hampshire purchase, and likes less of the Whites, and would have me to be kind and study to please him, which I am resolved to do. Being at home, he sent for me to dinner to meet Mr. Moore, so I went thither and dined well. But it was strange for me to refuse, and yet I did without any reluctancy to drink wine in a tavern, where nothing else almost was drunk, and that excellent good. Thence with Mr. Moore to the wardrobe, and there sat while my lord was private with Mr. Townsend, about his accounts an hour or two, we reading of a merry book against the presbyters called Cabala, extraordinary witty. Thence walked home into my office, setting papers of all sorts, and writing letters, and putting myself into a condition to go to Chatham with Mr. Coventry to-morrow. So at almost twelve o'clock, and my eyes tired with seeing to write, I went home and to bed. Ending the month with pretty good content of mind, my wife in the country, and myself in good esteem and likely by pains to become considerable, I think, with God's blessing upon my diligence. End of July, Part 2